Welcome to the preaching podcast of Poplar Springs Baptist Church in Hiram, Georgia, and the preaching ministry of our senior pastor, Wayne Meadows. It is our desire that the message you hear today would call you to a closer walk with Jesus Christ, and that your life would give glory to God as you apply the biblical truths proclaimed. For more information about the ministry of Poplar Springs Baptist Church, check us out on the web, www.psbchurch.net. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the preaching of God's Word. All right, let's get into the Word this morning. We're continuing on in our sermon series focusing on the church covenants. Uh, We've been in this now, I believe, for six weeks looking at the proposed covenant that has been presented to you uh, for your consideration here as the church at Poplar Springs. And as we've done with each sermon, I want to once more read the covenant for you and then share uh, the corresponding summary statements. And so the words will be on the screen. I'm going to read and you follow along and hear the covenant. Having been brought by divine grace to repent and believe in Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, and upon our profession of faith, and having been baptized in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, we do now, in the presence of God, angels, and this assembly, most solemnly, joyfully, and truthfully enter into covenant with one another, as one body in Christ and the members of Poplar Springs Baptist Church, to make much of God by making disciples of Jesus Christ. We commit to follow, preach, and teach the divinely inspired, inerrant, and infallible Word of God as the sole rule for our life of faith and practice, rejecting all heretical beliefs and practices, maintaining family and individual devotions in the Word of God, and religiously educating our children and those under our care in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. We commit by the divine aid of the Holy Spirit to walk together in Christian love and live carefully and Christ-like in this world, striving for holiness, repenting of sinfulness, and denying ungodliness. And we will be just in our dealings, faithful in our engagements, and exemplary in our daily conduct, yielding our lives solely to the control of the Holy Spirit. We commit to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as a local body of believers, faithfully gathering as the church on the Lord's day and other occasions to sustain the church's worship through proclamation of the word, prayer, praise and song, and practice of the ordinances and discipline. We commit to contribute cheerfully and regularly to the support of the ministries, the expenses of the church, the relief of the poor, and the spread of the gospel through all nations. We commit to use the gifts and talents God has blessed us with in service to him and the common good to support our members, ministries, and mission of Poplar Springs Baptist Church. We commit to be zealous in our efforts to advance the kingdom of our Savior, Jesus Christ, seeking the salvation of our family and friends, neighbors, and the nations by boldly proclaiming the good news of salvation in the name of Jesus Christ alone. We commit to maintain the unity of the Spirit and bond of peace as we submit to one another and our leaders, watch over one another in brotherly love, admonish and entreat one another as occasion may require, remember each other in prayer, aid each other in sickness and distress, cultivate Christian sympathy and feeling and courtesy and speech, be slow to take offense but always ready for reconciliation and mindful of the commands and guidance of our Savior to secure it without delay. We commit that. If in the providence of God we remove from Poplar Springs Baptist Church, we will as soon as possible unite with some other like-minded church where we can carry out the spirit of this covenant and the principles of God's word. And may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen. And then the nine summary statements which will help us hopefully be able to recall the covenant in an easier fashion. 
We have been gloriously saved by Christ. We will diligently search the scripture. We will passionately strive for holiness. We will faithfully show up with the church. We will generously support the church. We will regularly serve the church. We will openly share our faith. We will humbly submit to others. And we will quickly settle at another church. And this morning, as we look into the covenant a little bit closer, I want to let you know and mark your calendars that on Sunday morning, November the 14th, you will have the opportunity uh, to make your desire known in affirming this covenant as the new covenant at the church here at Poplar Springs. So we'll continue through the covenant on Sunday mornings for the next two Sundays. And then in accordance with our bylaws, give you two Sundays to pray over uh, what we have shared with you and worked through. And then on Sunday morning, November the 14th, in each worship service, you'll have the opportunity uh, to share your desire to, uh, to affirm or not affirm uh, the covenant as it's been presented to you. But this morning, as we continue the series, we're looking at our covenant commitment to service. Our covenant commitment to service, specifically uh, to serving the church. This is found in the sixth section of the covenant where it reads, We commit to use the gifts and talents God has blessed us with in service to him and the common good to support our members, ministry, and mission of Poplar Springs Baptist Church. And capturing this thought, the sixth summary statement uh, simply reads, We will regularly serve the church. We will regularly serve the church. As we think about serving the church this morning, I believe that wording is important and worthy of our consideration. While we often think about serving at the church, the proper and biblical expression as given in the covenant is serving the church. Now certainly much of our serving in many ways in which we serve will take place as the church gathers And as we gather here on the church campus, throughout the church's ministry endeavors, but the Bible is clear. Our service is to one another. We serve the church. Not just the place, but the people. The people. Even this week, as our students and some other leaders will head to our ministry partner, Panner Elementary, and uh, they will head down there and serve at their fall festival. Uh, They're not on the church, but they're serving the church still. They're ministering uh, to the church body and then to our community at large. So we serve the church. And ultimately, as we serve the church, our service is given to the head of the church as well, Jesus Christ. And he is our ultimate example of serving. In Mark chapter 10, verse 45, Jesus gives us uh, a summary statement of his earthly mission and ministry. He says, for the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came to serve. And as we serve We're we're serving like Jesus. We're modeling Jesus. In the Gospel of John, in John chapter 13, verses 1 through 17, uh, Jesus gives us there a demonstration of his service. In that chapter, John records for us the events that transpired in the upper room uh, as Jesus shared in the last Passover meal with his apostles, as he instituted the Lord's Supper and just hours away from being uh, arrested and then ultimately crucified. Uh, But there in that occasion, you remember how he served them. 
He took on the form and the fashion of a servant and humbled himself and washed the feet of the apostles that evening. A demonstration of his service. And the demonstration of his service took place because of the motivation uh, that was compelling him. He had a gospel focus and joyful fulfillment in mind. And as we seek to serve like Jesus, as we seek to, to demonstrate our love to others, especially within the church, loving one another, our motivation should also be the gospel and the joy that Jesus gives We have a serving Savior, and we are to be serving saints committed to serving the church. And so this morning, we're thinking about serving the church. If you have your Bibles open, I want to read for us now 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. A text today that highlights our covenant commitment to serve one another. So follow along and hear the Word of God this morning. 1 Peter 4. Verses 10 and 11. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. As good stewards of God's varied grace, whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray once more. Our Heavenly Father, we ask now that you would bless the reading and the preaching of your word. And Father, even as we have sung, we long to look upon the face of our Savior. But Lord, until that day comes, help us now to see him in your word. Show us your glory that our lives may be transformed. Father, may our souls delight in your word, that we may be like trees planted by streams of water. That, Lord, in the difficulties of life, in the hardships and trials that we face, our leaves may not wither and fruit may abound for your glory. For we ask it now in Jesus' name. Amen. The serving church. Serving the church. A commitment to serve. This is what Peter is getting at in these verses that we're considering this morning. And as we walk back through them, I simply want to share with you five words. Five words that capture our commitment to serve one another. And I've got to be a little bit honest this morning in putting these points together, giving you just five words. I had my pastor pals a little bit in mind. Uh, they, they've been doing a lot of work the last couple of weeks, writing out a lot of notes and a lot of points. So uh, I had them in mind and thought I'm going to make it just a little bit simpler for them. So five words to guide us through the text this morning that capture our commitment to serve. First of all, I want you to think about the word equipped. The word equipped. We have been equipped to serve. We have been equipped to serve. Peter tells us this in the beginning of our text, the beginning of verse number 10. Look at it once more. He says, as each has received a gift. As each has received a gift. Peter here is telling us that as followers of Jesus Christ, that's the each that he has in mind. Those who have trusted in Christ for salvation, those who believe in in Christ alone through faith alone to reconcile them to a holy God. That as a follower of Christ, they have received a gift. Uh, The word gift there is an interesting word. It simply speaks of a, a gift of grace. 
Something that God has supplied to them. Nothing that they have earned, nothing that they have merited, nothing that they have leveraged from God in any way, shape, form, or fashion. This is simply God at work in the life of a believer, giving them and equipping them to be able to serve the church, to serve Christ. So what we realize here in the opening of our text is that everyone who has been born again, they have a spiritual gift from God. That is, if you're in the family of faith today, you have been fitted for service to the family of faith. And ultimately, that equipping comes about because you have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit within your life as a child of God. When you place faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit of God begins to live and dwell inside of you. And as he operates within you as a Christian, he is enabling you. He is equipping you. He is giving you the ability to serve one another, to serve the church, to serve Christ. Today, as a child of God, you have been divinely issued a gift given at the discretion of God to bring about the glory of God and the edification of the church of God. If you're here today as a believer, you have the ability to serve. Now, I know many people today think there's absolutely nothing that they can do. I just can't do anything. I'm not called to be a preacher. I'm not called to be a teacher. I don't even think they they would call me to lead in silent prayer. You know some people like that? Just can't do anything. Well, that's not the truth today. That's not what scripture teaches us. When we think about serving in the church, Peter is clear here that there is not a designation uh, between uh, the clergy and the laity. There's not a separation of service between the pulpit and the pew. We've all been called to serve and we've all been gifted to serve. Uh, We'll see in just a moment that certainly there's a difference in the gifts and, and how the gifts operate within the church. But we began this morning by realizing that as a child of God, you have, you have the ability and have been equipped to serve the church of Jesus Christ. So as we think about committing to serve the church as part of our covenant here at Poplar Springs, uh, let me just ask you at the very beginning, are you serving? Where are you serving? How are you serving? And certainly there's a variety of ministries that you can get engaged in and serve in. And I hope that you'll, you'll do that. But I would also remind you that not every, every operation of every gift always takes place in a, a formal ministry. Sometimes it happens in hallways as we're gathered here on the campus. Sometimes it's you're exercising your gift as you reach out uh, during the week to a member within the church. But every child of God has been equipped by the Holy Spirit of God to serve the people of God. You are equipped today to serve. So equipped is where we begin. Secondly, the second word this morning, exercise. Exercise. Now, I'm not talking about physical exercise. I'm not talking about gym memberships. uh, But rather talking about exercising the gift that God has given to you. Peter goes on and he says, as each has received a gift, that is our equipping, the gift that God has graciously bestowed upon you as an act of his grace. Look at what Peter says next. Use it. Use it to serve one another as good stewards. Here, Peter reminds us that our giftedness must be put into service. God has equipped us. God has given us ability. And now Peter says we must make ourselves available. 
God has given us the ability. We must provide the availability and exercise the gift that he has placed into our lives. Peter uses the word stewards there to describe the operation of this gift in the child of God. It's an interesting word. It's one that we would oftentimes tie back to our sermon last Sunday. We talked about uh, being a generous uh, people in our giving and giving sacrificially and regularly and joyfully. All of that that we looked at last Sunday from Philippians chapter 4. But the idea of stewardship is simply the exercising of management of something that has been entrusted to your care by another. And certainly it fits for our finances, but it also fits in the management and the exercising of the giftedness that God has placed in your life. And here Peter says we must be good stewards, not only of our giving, but also of the giftedness that God has given to us. Not only of our treasures, but also of our talents, of our abilities. Dio Moody Uh, That great preacher from a generation ago writing about serving and exercising the gifts that God has given to the believer says, a great many people have got a false idea about the church. He says they've got an idea that the church is a place to rest in, to get into a nicely cushioned pew and contribute to the charities, listen to the minister and do their share to keep the church out of bankruptcy. That is all they want. And I say amen to all of that. I'm glad we've got pews, and I'm glad you keep us out of bankruptcy. That's a good thing. I'm glad you give. I'm glad you listen. But Moody goes on and says, but the idea of work for them, actual work in the church, serving in the church, never enters their minds. Here, Peter calls us back that we've got to be people who serve. We've got to use the gift that God has given to us. We must put it into employment. We must exercise our giftedness. But unfortunately, the church has become like a lot of the football games that we were watching yesterday afternoon. 80,000 people sitting in the stands who need to work out are watching 22 men who badly need a rest. That's the way it is in many churches. So many people are sitting on the sidelines, sitting in the stands, while so many or so few are actually involved in the labors. Let me encourage you today, get in the game. Get off the sidelines, get out of the stands, and get in the game of serving at the church, of serving the church, of serving our Savior. In Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 24, Jesus gives us a parable. Uh, It's the parable uh, of the talents. An owner, a man of means and trust, a talent, not an ability so much as a a monetary amount to three of his servants. They're given different amounts. And he goes away and he tells them, you look after this, you take care of this, and I'm going to come and expect of it uh, on my return from you. And so the master goes away, the talents are given, and then the master returns. And the first two that he encounters, the first two servants did well. The gift that they had been given, they Uh, provided a return on it. The investment that they had received, they they profited, and they were able to give more to their master at his return. But then he comes to the third, the one who received one talent. And when he came forward, he said to his master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours." There was no investment. There was no return. There was no growth. There was no exercising of gift. 
And upon giving back what he had been given and nothing more, the master answered him. Listen to this. You wicked and slothful servant. You wicked and slothful servant. He said, you were lazy. You did not exercise. You did not employ any effort in taking the gift that I had given you and seeking a return upon it. Oh, may God help us not to be slothful servants here at Poplar Springs Baptist Church. May we be a people who take what God has blessed us with, the giftedness that he has placed in our lives through his Holy Spirit that supernaturally uh, takes our abilities and our talents and even the supernatural gifts that he blesses us with and use them appropriately that we may see a kingdom return upon it. May we not be found slothful in our service. You know what's also alarming to me in that parable? I didn't read all the way to the end of it for you, but if you keep reading on, Jesus says of this final servant that he's going to be cast into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. And there's the idea communicated in that parable that this man who didn't serve is going to have no place in the kingdom of God. It's characteristic of the people of God who have been gifted by God with gifts of the Spirit to use them, to exercise them. And if that's not happening in your life, there may be cause of concern about where you stand spiritually. This is why Peter is telling us, serve one another. As people of God, as followers of Christ, serve. Exercise your giftedness. The third word. We've looked at equipped. We've looked at exercising. Third is evidence. Evidence. Peter continues in verse 10. He says, We're to use the gift to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. God's varied grace. God's giftedness in our life and the display of it it, is evidence of God's work in our lives. As we exercise our giftedness among the church, as we serve one another within the church, We're a mirror of what God's grace is doing in our hearts and in our lives. It's a testimony to all the others as they see us lay our lives down and serve Christ and serve his church and seek others' needs before our own and and sacrifice our own time and energy and resources uh, to see the kingdom of God advance. That God's grace is at work in us. How do we serve? Why do we serve? Because of God's varied grace. I know how marvelous it is. One of the things that I so enjoy doing is, is seeing in your lives how you're serving and how God is growing you and how God is stretching you and how God is using you in places that you were once uncomfortable to be in, but yet you have faithfully followed him and his grace has been at work and God is using you to do some amazing things. That causes me to rejoice. It causes me to marvel at what God's grace is doing in your lives. But Peter also says that God's grace is manifold. That's what the word varied means. It's diverse. There are many gifts that God gives. Many gifts to many parts of the body. Paul uses the illustration of the church being a body. One body, but many members. One body, but a lot of parts. That's God's grace on display in our life. Aren't you thankful today that you don't have a handful of thumbs? Uh, Aren't you thankful today that you don't have uh, five big toes on your right foot? 
or that you have four arms and no legs. We're grateful for that diversity. And we're grateful for the diversity of God that's in operation among the church and the different gifts that he gives to the body. Now, we all like to think sometimes as we walk in our flesh and not in the spirit that the gift that we have is the most important gift. And if nobody's in line with us and how we're serving or, or what we like to do in serving, then they're all out of line. That's not the case necessarily. It may be that God is working in his Holy Spirit in them to serve in a different fashion, in a different way, to meet a different need. And in that, we should rejoice. We should be grateful that God's grace is manifold and diverse. Peter captures this for us as he goes into verse 11. He gives us two broad categories uh, of giftedness. Now, when we read through the New Testament, there are several other places that we could go to. Uh, 1 Corinthians, we could go to the book of Romans toward the end, where we see Paul writing about the giftedness of the saints within the church. And in each of those uh, passages of Scripture, there are lists that are given. But when you look at those lists, what you realize is that they're a listing of a, a bunch of different gifts and how the gifts operate within the church. And so we can discern from that that those lists aren't exhaustive. It's not that there's like a set number of gifts that God has given to the church and that's it. No, his grace is inexhaustible. Therefore, the gifts that he gives to his church are inexhaustible as well among the people of God. As buried and as, as manifold as his grace is, so is the giftedness of the body. And we should celebrate that. We should be thankful for diversity among the family of faith, among the church of Jesus Christ. It wouldn't be near as exciting if everybody was just like you. It might be a whole lot easier sometimes, but it wouldn't be near, near as exciting and marvelous at what God is doing. But here, Peter gives us two broad categories. He, he writes here about uh, what we can call speaking gifts and serving gifts. In verse 11, he says, whoever speaks... Let him speak uh, as one who speaks oracles of God. And then whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. Speaking gifts and serving gifts. Two broad categories. Within those categories, there are different ways in which these gifts operate. In the area of speaking, someone uh, may be divinely enabled and, and led by the Holy Spirit to, to provide exhortation. To give a good word of encouragement uh, someone may have the gift of prophecy. It's not a foretelling of the future, but a, a firm telling of the truth. Or someone may have the gift of teaching, clearly communicating the word of God. When we think about the broad category of serving, the Bible lists several types of serving gifts. The gift of administration. These are the people that like to check all the boxes, dot all the I's, and cross all the T's. These are the people who, who, who keep BBS check-in going smoothly for us. And we're thankful for them. We need people like that that can give us organization so that things can run smoothly. Some people have the gift of giving. They excel in going above and beyond in giving. Some people have the gift of mercy. They excel in showing compassion and kindness and, and displaying mercy towards others. These are the people who you love to get the phone call from when you're having a really hard time. These are the people who you love to see walk into a hospital room when you're there and sick and not feeling really good at all. You're thankful that God has gifted the body that way. Some people have the gift of service. They're just constantly there, constantly available, constantly doing work for the kingdom of God. All types of ways in which the gifts of God are deployed into the church. But we're thankful for every one of them. 
Now, as we think about the variety of the gifts here, let me give one caution. What you'll discover in your life and what many of you already know is that there's probably one particular area of service where where you really seem to excel at or really get more excited about than others. And that's great and that's good. and, And you need to be in that area. You need to serve according to that gift. But hear me, that doesn't exclude you from serving in other areas as well. The Bible speaks about the gift of giving. To the one who has the gift of giving, let him give. But that doesn't mean if you don't have that gift that you're not required to give. Maybe you have the gift of serving, but that doesn't mean that you uh, should never be able to clearly communicate the word of God. So while we may excel in one gift, it doesn't mean that we ignore all the gifts. It's not an excuse to miss out on parts, the other parts of what God wants to do in our hearts and in our lives. But the evidence of the gifts among the church is that God's grace has been dispensed, and we're so thankful for that. The fourth word empowered empowered Peter tells us that as we serve we serve by the strength that God supplies the middle of verse 11 the strength that God supplies and I can't tell you how encouraged I am that Peter included this I told him in the first service when I came to Poplar Springs I think I could probably have been considered a young preacher Now, if I'm honest, I think I've got to tell you I'm perhaps a younger preacher leaning toward an older preacher. Uh, I've learned that uh, what everybody said about the age of 40 was no lie. It's absolutely the truth. Uh, My bedtime is getting earlier and earlier by the month, and I like it. I really do. I'm thankful uh, that, that nightfall is coming sooner. The bed is getting a lot closer as the evening winds down for me. Uh, I, I'm learning that. I was sharing that in the first service, and I said, you know, all those people who told you about 40, they weren't lying to you. And somebody spoke up and said, wait till you get to 50. <laughs> so I've got a lot to look forward to, apparently. But what I'm thankful for here is that Peter tells us that even though physically we may be drained and physically it may be hard and it may be taxing, we can serve because God supplies the strength. God supplies through the power of his Holy Spirit operating within us all that we need to be able to serve one another. As we think about what Peter is saying here in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, we've got to question ourselves and determine are we serving in the power of the Spirit or the energy of the flesh? If we're serving in the energy of flesh, the divine enablement that God gives us will never see its full potential. We'll never reach uh, all that God has in store for us. We'll never get the return that God desires for us to have. And for some of us, it means that we won't serve at all because our flesh is frail and feeble. Our flesh flesh grows weak. But when we allow the Spirit of God to energize us and when we walk in God's ways, we read God's Word, we spend time in communion with God through prayer, man, the Holy Spirit begins to bubble up with inside of us. And, and man, Jesus fills up our gas tank to serve the church. And I'm thankful for that. And my prayer for each of you is that the Holy Spirit will continually fill you and empower you and enable you to serve effectively and faithfully here as we seek to love and serve one another. We're empowered. He gives us the strength to serve him. He supplies faithfully. And then the last word that we see in our text this morning, exaltation. Exaltation. Why does God give strength? 
Why does God give grace that leads to giftedness? Why does he call us to serve one another? So that he may be glorified. Peter says, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. And then he moves into a doxology. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. We talk a lot here at Poplar Springs about making much of God. And we want to make much of God in everything that we do. We want to make much of God with our money, make much of God in our music, make much of God in our marriages. We want to make much of God as we preach the word of God, as we give the messages from God. We want to make much of him, but we make much of him as well as we serve one another. Needs are met, ministry takes place, but the name of Christ is exalted as well. So church, today I want to call you to this commitment to continue and to even grow in serving one another through the giftedness that God has placed into your life. To be his hands and his feet, to say yes to serving. To say yes to serving. And can I just remind you that there are many places for you to serve. Especially in the day that we're in, there are many places for you to serve. We need all hands on deck. We need your Spirit-empowered ability. We need your availability to serve within the church so that God may be glorified. So church, let's commit to serve one another. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for your word. And Lord, I pray that we would be a people who would serve, who would serve one another faithfully. And Father, may we be encouraged today to know that we have a Savior who has served. He laid his life down. May we do the same. Father, we ask that you would make us Vessels of honor, instruments in your hands. And God, as we yield ourselves to you, may we be amazed at how your spirit would work within us to enable us to make a difference for your kingdom and to see your glory magnified in our lives. And Father, I thank you today for the way that the people at Poplar Springs have served faithfully. And Father, I pray that your grace would continue to be dispensed and given that we may serve even more. And Father, as we serve, may it be not in the energy of our flesh, but in the power of your spirit. Father, that we may see fruit abound for all eternity. God, be glorified as we serve one another. For we ask it in Jesus' name.